Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is kindly sponsored by Ren Clean Skincare. Now, it's not always easy to find skincare brands that tick the right boxes without compromising on efficacy. But this is where Ren really come through. All of their products are cruelty-free and they're on track to be zero waste by the end of 2021 by using recycled, recyclable or reusable materials. I'm going to tell you about a few of my favourite products, but you should know that it was extremely hard for me to just choose two. I'm in love with their Ready Steady Glow Daily AHA Tonic, which I use each morning as a toner after cleansing. I find it really brightens and energises my complexion without leaving that feeling of tightness or dryness. And the product I use for the final step of my morning skincare routine is their best-selling Clean Screen Mattifying Mineral SPF 30. This offers UVA, UVB and blue light protection. Both of these products are vegan, cruelty-free and made from recycled plastic. Stay tuned as I'll be sharing lots more about Ren in the coming months and be sure to head over to their Instagram at Ren Skincare to learn more about their zero waste pledge as they are the first premium beauty brand to meet this goal. Venetia here and welcome back to the show. This week I am chatting to Charlie Craggs. Charlie is an award-winning author, activist and speaker hailed by Vogue as the voice of a community. Charlie is the author of To My Trans Sisters, an inspirational collection of letters written by successful trans women, sharing the lessons they learned on their journeys to womanhood, celebrating their achievements and empowering the next generation to become who they truly are. She's also the founder of Nail Transphobia, a conversation-focused national campaign that tackles transphobia through education, empowerment and nail art. This year is a big year for Charlie as she will be presenting a BBC documentary about trans youth. We discussed this in the episode as well as the media's misrepresentation of the trans community. I first came across Charlie on Instagram at charlie underscore crags and she quickly became one of my favourite people to follow so do check out the episode notes to follow and support her work. Now a small content warning there are a few mentions of suicide in this episode so if you don't have the capacity for that at the moment please do pick another episode episode from this season. If you do stick with us, it's a really powerful episode and I just feel so grateful for Charlie. She's so honest and open with us and I really hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here is the super charming Charlie Craggs on All The Small Things. Charlie, you're my first in-person interview in over a year. Oh my god, that is such a compliment. I'm so happy that I'm sorry you. that you're going to be so underwhelmed. I won't be. I know I won't be because every interview I've ever seen you do, you've been absolutely incredible. So Thank you, babe. I know I won't be. But let us start as we always do. I would love to hear about whether or not you have any kind of morning routine, if there are any kind of habits that you'd like to commit to first thing. How do we wake up with Charlie Craggs? chaos we choose we wake up every morning and choose violence which is what but that's actually what I'm this is why I wanted to come on because I'm like I'm learning to not like my habits 
I can just hear Pippin outside. That's what I wake up to every morning, <laughs> living on a busy bread. I was like, I'm learning that I ha- the habits I have are bad habits, which is a start. Like that's that's a I can at least learn from there. And I've just come to that recently where I just like realized I go on my phone literally straight away because obviously you wake up via your alarm on your phone, at least I do via the alarm on my phone. So then you turn your alarm off, but then like straight away, the first thing you see is emails, text messages, WhatsApps, Instagram, DMs, Twitter. And I'm like, and I just naturally just straight away go into it, especially if they look important. I'm like, oh, or even if they look exciting, I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, it can just really like if it's stressful it can set your day off on a stressful note if it's like negative if it's like a news on twitter or something it can set your day off on a bad note like I just realized this isn't good for like whether it's good or bad news or like it's just I need to like why am I start why am I starting my day at zero to a hundred like I literally wake up and I'm at a hundred straight away because I'm like switched on like I should like wean myself into it. I should like stretch like you know like What's that thing? Sun salutation. What's that thing that dogs do? Sun salutations, you know, like things like that. Just like, just have a stretch, have a breath of fresh air out the window into my lovely busy road. Um, Have a cup of tea. Have that, do you mean like just sit down, even just like put on the TV or something, just like, or the radio, just like, like not go from zip. I just realized that is such a bad habit I have, but it's a, it's a, it's good that I've recognized that now. A hundred percent. And you know what? I think it's much easier said than done. Yeah. Like I would love to have this set routine every morning where I'm just zen oh, central. Please. I know you have a set routine. Look, you are a Virgo. <laughs> I guess you were a Virgo. Do you remember the other day? Like I asked you, I, be- I was like, I bet you any one of you are a Virgo. And Virgos have routines. Don't try and tell me you don't have a routine. I have an ideal routine that I would love to do every day. But Charlie, like the reality oh, is, whatever. especially recently, like I'm lying in bed for like a good half hour 45 minutes just like staring into space thinking why am I getting up today I think that's actually better than what I'm doing though because I wake up and I jump out of bed I'm like crap 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 I don't know if I could swear I was gonna say the s word shit <laughs> I'm like shit 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 I've got like 10 100 emails because I'm like I often go bed really late as well which is another bad habit and that sets me up for a bad morning if that makes sense because I wake up and I'm not not fully replenished like I've not had the best sleep like um so I'll probably go to bed most nights around like three-ish like sometimes like a bit earlier like two sometimes four sometimes five but like I I, work, I just find I work well at night and I think that's probably out of like um anxiety that I put things off in the daytime and then I get them all done at night really quickly but it's because I have to get them done so I wake up and I'm like oh god I have to like I don't know like because I've woken up at 10 rather than like most people get up at like 8 or something and I'm like I've woken up 11 or 10 or something but I think it is a thing like I think some people are kind of wired to be more creative at night yeah I do hear that a lot of I'm creative like I and I find a lot of my creative friends stay up late and work but I did also hear once and I was like that's what it is like I've always told myself it's because I'm creative but it's to do with anxiety and it's also to do with like I heard it's something that the Chinese do where it's like because they work so much in the daytime some of them will stay up gaming like all night because it's the only it's like the only free time you have so you don't want to waste it sleeping I heard I I read something about this recently I I can't remember I read it but I was like that's kind of true I'm like it's like I remember being like a 16 year old and like really enjoying being feeling like the naughty like staying up on MSN to like 3am talking to my friends and I'm like this is so fun like I just it was and now I'm like I'm still going bed at 3am because I still have such bad habits then (laughs) so it's so funny that we're talking about habits now but I just yeah I just need to I think get some better habits for myself I think it's if it's if I've learned anything, it's about not that you have asked for my advice and I am like definitely not a picture perfect when it comes to this, but I think like making one small achievable change. Mm. So like, for example, a really good one could be, could you have an a lot like an old school alarm clock in your bedroom? So that you wake up to that yeah. so you're waking up to your phone. 
That's a good idea. And I actually, I hate the noise of the phone alarm as well. Oh, it gives me like major anxiety. It's the most hor- And I have it on like the standard one where it's like, eh, 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 and it's like the horrible iPhone one. And I'm like, why do, why do they even have that as a choice? But also why is that the standard? And also why have I not after years changed it? Like I'm so, <laughs> I'm just not a Virgo. I'm a Pisces and I just, I just let things happen. And I just let this chaos happen. And then I'm like, why is my life chaos? And it's because I don't make any small changes because I'm not a Virgo. I'm just like a very Pisces energy just like okay absolute chaos tell me are you fueled at all by caffeine or is it all your own energy uh yes it's not always caffeine so I've noticed that caffeine makes me sad I don't know if this is a thing and then I posted about it and a lot of my followers like yeah this is a thing like and I I googled it and other people have said it there's been a few studies but it's not like I'm not telling people not to drink caffeine but like I I'm someone who's always struggled with my mental health since I was like early teens and I just noticed that sometimes when I'm drinking coffee I just get really I hit a sadness after like a couple of hours I just hit a really deep sadness where I just have to stop working I've drank the coffee to work and now I'm going to be up all night and now I'm feeling sad because of the coffee so I'm going to be up all night feeling sad my habits in the morning are going to be even worse like it's just like it's like chaos upon chaos like I just like yeah so I'm I'm trying to drink less coffee although I've heard even that there's like just as per gram or something there's more caffeine in tea sometimes than coffee or so I read that recently so I'm like I drink tea all the time so like I don't know. We're both drinking tea right yeah. now. So mm. Mm. I think it will be interesting to talk more about kind of um, your life as we go into this interview, because people will realise that in amongst all the chaos, you are doing amazing things Thank if they you. are not already familiar with those things. So I would love to wind back the clock a little bit and talk about growing up and yeah. your time growing up in the noughties. Um, I know you've spoken in the past about your only role model you had being Nadia from Big yes. Brother and then eventually Laverne Cox, but that wasn't until a decade later. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your life growing up and also the kind of people you had to look up to. So I'm from Labrick Grove, originally born and bred, just moved away actually because I can't afford to live there anymore. But like, um, I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else. Like I'm really proud of where I'm from, but it was also very hard. So I'm, I'm a council estate girl. So it was very like, council estates are quite hard for boys in and this goes for obviously feminine boys like how I was growing up but also for like my brothers who are just both straight cis boys is they can be very like damaging and, and I think that's where a lot of it's just oh, boys are expected to be men before they're men like boys are like 12 and having to be men or even younger than that and like just yeah just like gang culture drugs even sex, stuff like that, it's just it's too much too soon it's just it's very negative and like the the impact on boys who aren't like the regular boys so like I'm for anyone listening I haven't even said obviously I'm trans maybe it's not obvious but yeah I'm trans um and like growing up I was just I would never said I was gay but it was just I I obviously looking back I was so textbook trans but just wasn't a part of cultural conversation back then but I was like I was saying I was a girl but also I I was like dressed I'd dress up like a girl like if we were playing dress up I'd always all my friends were always girls I'd play with the girls toys I'd wear once I was a teenager I'd wear makeup and stuff like I was very much obviously trans but it was read people read me as gay and I was told you're gay you're a perf you're all these words um and it was just really hard um and yeah like I said the like you said the my first the first time I even saw a trans person was like when I was like 10 or 11 that's the first time I even knew what trans was so I'd been saying I was a girl to my mum like oh I wish I was a girl I remember I'm Catholic so I'd go to bed and pray that I'd wake up a girl and like um but even though I was saying that and it was so obvious I was trans I didn't know why I was trans because 
I didn't have a word for it. And I didn't have a person to look at and be like, oh, that's what I am. And when I saw Nardo, my brother, when in 2005 or six, I was like, I just straight away, it resonated with me. And I'm like, oh my God, you can do that. Like I literally could, I just couldn't get my head around that. There's someone who felt like how I felt and that did what I wanted to do. And then, yeah, it's quite sad because then there was a gap for maybe like 10 years where if you try and name another famous person after Nadia, from 2005, like Laverne came around 2015, 14, 13, that sort of time. Like if you try and name a famous trans person in that time, you just can't, like there's no one. Like the only time you'd see trans people would be on like Jerry Springer when we were being like beaten up on stage and laughed at in That's a Man segments. Or like if we were like being played by like a cis actor, like a guy on like CSI, new whatever those programs are called you know like mur- like murder programs where we'd be like a prostitute played by a man in a wig and it's like fucking hell like is this all like so no wonder and I, that was part of the reason why I suppressed my, myself and suppressed my femininity and suppressed my transness because I didn't want to be this I was like if that's what that's my only choice I'm like I don't want to be that I'd rather be unhappy and be in the wrong body than be even more unhappy in the right body but then after a while I just realized you, you I was I wasn't living so I I had to transition Thank you so much for being so open. No, it's okay. With me. I feel I like really that went from like, <laughs> this is what I'm saying about my stories. I go from absolute like, like screaming and shouting to like crying the next minute. It's very water sign energy. I'm just like a, a messy water sign. Well, I, I really do appreciate your openness. And um, I, it just makes me think about how obviously important representation is for, yeah. for young people in particular. And I know this has been like a very, the kind of forefront of your work. And, and it makes me think a lot about how important social media must be for young trans people oh my god and how important it is for them to have that access how different do you think things would have been if you had had people like you to Uh, follow on social media it has changed the game like in even if you think about it aside from transness like if you look at teenagers teenagers today they don't have the ugly phase that we had because they have things like instagram where they're like and youtube where they learn how to do their makeup and they just come out the womb knowing how to look good and they're stylish at 13 and they like know how to do like uh, cut creases and like we were like <laughs> i speak for myself i don't know about you but <laughs> we were like putting like like with our fingers in there like with smoke, like wearing blue eyeshadow up to our eyebrows and like thinking we were cute and baby i transitioned at 21 2021 20, i walked out of my house at 2021 20, learning my makeup like that i was oh my lord like that because when i was that was just before like the kind of instagram took off so like I didn't even have it then at the start of my transition never mind in my teenagers or childhood so like just if you like like I said how can you be what you can't see how can how can you know you're trans if you don't even know being trans exists I literally did not know that you could be trans so how could I be trans I just knew I felt like a girl I was saying I, it was so obvious it's like hello but like my obviously it just wasn't part of our cultural conversation and especially not on council estates and like my mum and my dad are really accepting my friends are all really accepting but just like it just no one knew because it just wasn't talked about and it's just so important that things are talked about it's maddening to me that there's been like a kickback lately with like um talk about like not exposing kids to like trans stuff and gender stuff and oh you're making kids trans by like talking about trans and it's like no like you can't make and the whole point is that you can't make anyone trans also no one would in their right mind would choose to be trans why would you choose this life like why would you choose in the social sense but also the physical sense like the amount of never mind the the social pain you go through just like being constant abuse in the street even now seven years into my transition i'm just like constantly getting shit in the street but also just like and risking your family chucking you out risking never finding love because it's really hard as a trans person 
even things like jobs become harder, healthcare gets harder, but even the, the physical side of like the actual pain, but also like the money it takes to transition. I don't know, the Daily Mail are lying to you. <laughs> like it's not all like taxpayers' money. Like everything, the only that everything pretty much, the only thing that gets covered is downstairs. And most people like, I don't want that. Like, so I've paid about 40K. I'm a, like I said, I'm a council state girl. Where is 40K coming from? Where is it coming from? Money aside, surgeries aside, like forget about the, the details. How, just imagine trying to like fix a body that's wrong. It's so expensive. Like why would anyone choose, why would you put yourself through that? Like for fun, like just, it just blows my mind that there's been this massive kickback lately. And I just never thought I'd see this because you just, yeah, just coming from where we came from and then where we got to a point where everything was going really good but around the time that Laverne kind of, blew up and everything was changing and then all of a sudden there's been like a decline where it's just like a lot of like backlash and I think that just comes naturally with when there's times of progression there's always like a wave of uh kickback as well that follows I I I really appreciate your um honesty and openness about the amount of money that you've spent like because mm. I, I don't think that's and I know I've seen you talk about this on your Instagram stories too like that is a lot of money yeah and I don't think people realize that I would love to talk about your new documentary for the BBC yay which sounds so amazing and very balanced thank you babe um it's called DIY trans teams actually it's got a new name now like so I, I, Exclusive. I I'm really actually I haven't told anyone this yet but like they changed the name last minute I actually didn't like the name DIY trans teams I had no say so I am just the presenter in this so I don't get a say on like the name or the narrative um but it's been changed to a more like palatable because I was like I did raise I was like mm, DIY like that's a bit sensationalized it sounds like kids are like doing that like literally cutting into them I don't know you know like with hammers and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sounded a bit like sensationalized and then they I think they took it on board and they've changed it to, I didn't ask for this but transitioning team so it's much more like set, that's that's what it says on the tin basically and it's like okay that's fine with me like I was fine with that one but this is a, probably a bit safer and like it was going to get less flack um well, because the placard the flack has started <laughs> so yeah tell, what, oh, tell me God. about it and like how the experience has been for you how it feels to be presenting a documentary um and like tell us what we can expect from it as well so um it is basically um so, so like I said I'm just presenting so it's not my story or anything it's the story of teenagers so like it's mostly people around like 16 to 18 um who are who are trans and who are um in the process of transitioning and they're like the struggles that come with it and the talk because basically there's um it's basically breaking down a lot of the misconceptions in the media right now around this because there's so much talk around trans teenagers and trans children and there's talk about like how they're being rushed through uh, surgeries even there's like there's front page headlines of national newspapers with like pictures of toddlers with their head in their hands saying kids as young as four being sent to sex change clinics 50 kids a week literally you can look these up yourself 50 kids a week being sent to sex change clinics and it's like First of all, you have to be 18 in this country to have surgery. They've also made it, you can't be below 16 to be even given access to things like hormones and hormone blockers. But also you have to wait like f- at least like four, three to five years to get a first appointment to discuss any of these things. Like, and surgeries are down, even further down the line, but even to get on hormones, it's like at least I'd say like five years minimum to get even to have a taste of a hormone. So just it just blows my mind that they're never I'm morally allowed to post these things front page but every week there's a new headline and just legally I don't understand how it's allowed because it's just so wrong and my documentary just unpacks this and meets the teenagers who the everyone is talking about right now who no one because all these people write like so the times for example 
posted last year 324 articles about trans stuff, all negative, and not a single one was included a trans person's voice or was by a trans person or even consulted with a trans person. It was all just like, should trans children be having sex changes? Should trans women be in women's toilets? And there's so much talk about it, but these people have never met. These First of all, these people don't even have trans kids, so I don't understand why they're so invested in something that doesn't affect them. Trans people are 1% of the population. Second of all, they don't even know trans people, I'm sure. I'm so, it's like, it's like, why, like wh- why do you care? Like, I just can't get my head around why these people are so angry and I'm like what have these trans teenagers or even trans people period done to annoy like we've done nothing like um so I'm basically meeting the people that these people are just so obsessed with and talking about to hear the actual story because you just don't we're not brought into the conversation we're talked about but we're not like talked with and we're not brought into the conversation so it's uh putting a spotlight on these teenagers who are struggling because contrary to the to the talk in the media where it's like oh kids go to the gp on tuesday and by wednesday they've had a a vagina at three and it's like no actually realistically you go to your gp you tell your mum you're trans when you're like a teenager like 13 14 uh your mum only takes it seriously maybe after like two years. I mean, she's not going to rush you to the GP after you've said it one time. She's going to make sure it's a serious... You'd be very... Also, I just, what blows my mind is that it's like, you have to be so lucky to have a parent who would even take you to a GP if you're... Like, I was... I'm very accepting parents. My parents didn't take me to a GP. Like, most parents would just like let you get to like 18 and then decide for yourself sort of thing. But anyway, so you'd go to your GP after maybe a couple of years if you're lucky. And then after that like I said it's three to five years and these kids these teenagers that I'm meeting are in that process of like waiting for that long and what they're doing in the meantime whether it's um buying hormones off the internet because they're so desperate to start their transition that they'll like buy off black market websites and they don't know what they're taking and there's the side effects are just insane I mean I'm meeting these like 18 year olds and I'm thinking of myself when I was 18 and I'm just like it's just so sad to me that there's no like they just don't, the GPs just don't care. The, the NHS just doesn't care. They're not even going to like help them with like blood tests. They're just like, I, they have to turn a blind eye because they know it's happening, but they don't want to like, they can't help. They're, they're actually legally not even allowed to help. So it's like, these kids are just out here popping black market hormones or like having to do crowdfunders. Like I did a crowdfunder for my second round of surgery, which I had lo- just before lockdown. And like, how at 18, like, like I said, how are you going to raise eight, 40K or like even like 20K? Like how are you, how... It just it just blows my mind. So I just basically just travel around the country and meeting these teenagers just to hopefully change the narrative a bit and just bring some sense to the narrative and just bring some truth to the narrative. Yeah. Sorry, that was a really long, that was a long rant. Sorry. No, but it was all it's also important. It sounds like an amazing documentary. It sounds so important. Like we need to be talking to trans people about trans yeah. issues that affect them rather than anyone else. I just think that's the same with everything is you don't talk about communities, you talk with communities, whether it's about race, even about gender, like you just wouldn't have 324 articles. That's almost one a day. Like and not and imagine that was just about men debating should women be allowed abortions. Every you'd just be pissed. You'd be like, why is this allowed? In a main like in a, one of the biggest newspapers in this country, it just shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed like to to people not talking with us but talking about us 100% and also it just makes me think about you know we're supposed to be a country and a nation that cares about health and mental health right and if we're putting teenagers in a position where they have to buy drugs on you know illegal websites or you know substances that potentially haven't even been signed off by health professionals yeah yeah, what does that say about our nation caring about people's health and mental health yeah and also trans people are waiting like i said three to five years and this is on the web like they've even published an apology recently saying we're just like so ashamed that this is the way and it's not the the staff on the ground who are the problem obviously the doctors and most doctors and nurses are doing the best they can but it's like the people who give funding to the departments and stuff there's just no funding in the in, in this sector and it's something like you you should be 
only wait like eight weeks to see a specialist that say it's to do with like any anything so it could be to do with your like your heart cancer anything um and yet trans people are waiting three to five years like no one else is expected to wait three to five years and there's even like I obviously for BBC it has to be neutral and balanced and it can't be biased so I had to like include stuff I didn't even want to include necessarily I think it's important that I covered it because no one can throw at me like you didn't talk about this though and I did talk about it so for example I talked to a detransitioner and actually we come to the same conclusion like which is really nice but um for example I have doctors in the the documentary who will be like you just don't see any other person in society waiting this long for a first appointment so like think of all the people who are going to not even make it to a first appointment because they're so suicidal like I was like you just think of how many people we've lost in that three to five year wait who just couldn't hack the weight ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I, I think what's really clear about it is, and something that's very clear about your work, is how important it is to humanize what you humanize all of these issues and like make sure that people aren't just speaking about your community but they're speaking with your community which leads me quite nicely on to talking about um one of your amazing massive achievements nail transphobia which you started in 2013 um it's just such an incredible idea when i heard you talking about it in an interview i cried because oh, i don't want to like i just thought it was so powerful what you said when you, you. When, when I heard you talking about it so can you tell our listeners yeah. about it and your kind of the 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 incentive behind it as of well of course yeah um so nail transphobia like you said I've been running for seven years now um and it's basically a campaign I run where I travel around the country with a pop-up nail salon and a squad of trans nail techs and we offer the public free manicures for the chance to have a chat with a trans person so while people are getting their nails done they can kind of ask us questions about trans stuff or we can just have a chat but the point is that you get to meet a trans person because most people haven't and that's where transphobia comes from because you know like trans for any type of bigotry just comes from like ignorance and misunderstanding and just like lack of education and just like if you met someone from the community that you were like being bigoted towards you'd probably realize oh like most of the things I'm thinking aren't even true, but also like we have a lot more in common than we do different sort of thing. So um, it's just a chance for a conversation and the nails are just a catalyst for that conversation. I just, I just, I've always just felt there's so much power in, it's very obvious, but there's just so much power in conversation and the nail, I couldn't care less about nails. I literally, my nails are done now. I care about changing people's hearts and minds and conversation is the key to that. Like um, I could sit at a, 
like because I do a lot of festivals I do universities I do like events and brand things and exciting things like that but like if I was to sit with a table full of brochures about transphobia and like or even like a megaphone no one would listen or maybe if the few people did they'd be like oh that's sad and they'd go away and two minutes later they'd be thinking about what to have for lunch or something if you sit down and have a 20 minute conversation while you're doing someone's nails holding hands essentially eye to eye person to person holding hands how can you not feel that person's humanity how can you be left with like a feeling afterwards like you are your friends now like you are bonded like and there's that emotional connection that you go away with that is so much more than like a statistic or something because when you are the statistic like I am the statistic that I'm talking about in that brochure about transphobia how it's so much deeper and that's what that's what changes people is when there's that deep connection that emotional connection that like it's so much more powerful than just like a, a statistic or like I don't know, like a brochure, yeah. So the nails are just a way of getting in, getting in, getting people. Like, and do you mean when you offer a free manicure, there's a queue out the door. If I was offering bro- brochures, there would be <laughs> no one would be ignoring me. <laughs> I just think it's so beautiful. I just think, thank you. Like, it's such an incredibly powerful form of of connecting with people and activism. And thank you, babe. You also wrote a book to my trans sisters in 2017. Yeah. Um, an inspirational collection of letters written by successful trans women. Yeah. So it's basically the book that I wish I had when I started my transition. So like I said, trans people make up 1% of the population, which first of all, is why I don't understand why there's so much talk about us in the media. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't get my head around that. There's, babe, focus on Brexit, focus on Corona, focus on racism. Like there's so much, focus on sex, actual sex and like the Feminists who are spending all their time talking about us, I'm like, there's actual fem- uh, sexism that you could be like using your time to. Anyway, but the going back to the book, um, most people haven't met a trans person, and that includes trans people because we do make up such a small percent of the population. So when you transition, you haven't got anyone to like guide you through it. My, I didn't meet my first trans, my first trans person until like two years into my transition, so I had no one to help me through the start and be like, it is so scary, especially as a trans woman. I think because it intersects with like um, sexism as well, like when you're going out presenting femme and or whatever. Pre- presenting as a woman or a girl um then you're hit with a sexism so it's very scary it's like a doubly scary thing almost um and I just yeah I wish I had a big sister figure to help me not just with the kind of like um small things like oh how to like I don't know cover your five o'clock shadow or like wear a wig so it doesn't look like a wig but also the deeper things like how to deal when your family rejects you how to deal with like dating as a trans woman which is so hard like how the, the deeper things as well so it's like basically a collection of letters from about 100 women trans women um from like politicians to scientists to sports people to celebrities basically kind of sharing what they wish they could share of their self at the start of their transition and then every letter comes with a biography that I wrote about the woman um because I wanted to I wanted the book to kind of act as a way of kind of like immortalizing the kind of our culture because mainstream is certainly not documenting like minority groups culture like we're kind of once these people because when because the people in the book aren't the Laverne Coxes of the community they're not going to be remembered like and actually one woman did die during the editing process she was like 80 and I'm so I just feel so so blessed that I got her letter in the book because she's someone that like most if you asked most trans people and even me before I was doing my book you just wouldn't have heard about her but she was like the first trans woman on like primetime American TV and she wasn't out as trans at the time and she got married three times and none of her husbands knew she was trans (laughs) Which I think is a gag, but also like no one in America obviously knew she was trans until like she came out just before she died. She wrote a memoir, um, and she, uh, she so she was kind of like I think I get the impression from when I was talking to her over email because she was in America and she was like eighty something. I think she was like a glamorous assistant type person on American TV, like a primetime TV show, like a 
the price is right sort of thing. That's the impression I got. Um, but she's not well known. So like when she passed, like if I just feel very blessed that my book, not to be big headed, but it's probably the the biggest thing that she'll be kind of documented in like because she had this little no offense girl if you're listening in heaven but she had this really like shoddy little website that is very like dated and like that no one will find but like and she has a wikipedia page thank god but like my book is a bit more mainstream that people will hear about her and keep her story alive and like i just think it's so important for marginalized groups to like just preserve our histories and the people who have paved the way for us to to go forward and make our history you know i think it's so important to just document not not let not don't forget the people who came before you basically I feel like just the same people get celebrated and it's the same whether it's like on trans day visibility when every brand and magazine is celebrating people like me and Monroe and all the same people but like the people who are like doing the same thing as us but getting no thanks for it and they just like me and Monroe still get and everyone else in the media still get shit like even saw Laverne Cox got attacked there was a she did an Instagram live where she was attacked in, in New York and it's like you can't believe that Laverne Cox would be attacked but trans people are trans people in the same way she, she's a black person as well so she's you're gonna face racism whether you're a famous black person or not in the same way trans people we're always gonna get transphobia but like the people who aren't celebrated in the media don't get any thanks for being trans I was just like and I, like going back to money as well, like I couldn't have done my second round of surgery where I got like my boobs done and stuff if and my hairline lowered if it wasn't for a GoFundMe because I'm still in debt. Until this year, I was still in debt from my first, I took a loan out for my first round of surgery, which I paid for all myself. And it's just like, how are you gonna, you know, like I just was like, so I basically now every month I do a post where people, trans people who have GoFundMes can post a uh, bit about their story in the comments section and then my followers can go through and read. And if there's one that resonates with them, they can go to that person's bio and uh, drop a, a couple of quid into their GoFundMe. I would love to quickly talk about your uh, starring role in the Body Shop's self-love campaign. So I would love to hear about what self-love, self-care and looking after yourself looks like to you and feels like to you. Oh God, it's been a journey. And I talk about this a bit in the campaign, but it's it's hard as a trans person because the whole point of being trans is that you don't like who you are. Like, it's just, it's not, that's a non-negotiable in that like, obviously every trans person's transition is different and we all need different levels of like, affirming medication or surgery so like some people take hormones some people don't some people want surgery some people don't some people want a lot of surgery some people want every single like in terms of like all the kind of um like down bottom surgery top surgery like facials like so it's very different but at the end of the day the whole point in in being a, a binary trans person is that you're uncomfortable in yourself and in your body and you don't like your body and there's a the 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 scientifically kind of medically diagnosable part of being trans is called gender dysphoria which means you like have a physical discomfort like a a it's almost like a nausea I can't expect it's it's kind of like it's it's been declassified as a mental illness like it's not a mental illness anymore but for a long time it was seen as a mental illness because it's like a you just feel physically sick at your physical body so it's bizarre as a trans person to be talking about self-love when you come from a place of feeling physically sick your own body and it's mad like that I think of the the transformation I've gone through mentally rather than physically in that like I've gone through and don't get me wrong I don't like my body now if I'm totally honest there's a lot I don't like about my body I don't feel very confident but I feel I love my body and I'm very like I might not be confident in my body but I'm comfortable is that the right way around (laughs) yeah Yeah, I'm comfortable in my body and I'm very like I I feel very comfortable and I feel like that's a a 360 from who I was seven years ago where I was just like I would cover mirrors in my house 
like I would, I remember like I wouldn't have lights on. I'd ask like my family to like turn lights off. I would put mir- towels over mirrors, cover mirrors with like posters and paper because I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to see myself. So it, it was just like a, a real moment of, a real moment for life in the words of Nikki to like just be in a campaign about self-love. And especially as a trans girl, like it, I felt really proud. And we we're talking about representation. Like it'd be nice for like kids walking around like West, cause this is, this isn't a brag but kind of a brag but like that it's like a it's a big campaign like I didn't realize how big it was until when it came out and then they were like oh by the way it's global and I've had people tagging me on Instagram and like I remember I don't know Amsterdam someone hi Phoebe for listening Phoebe some one of my followers tagged me in in Amsterdam I'm like oh my god like I didn't realize I thought it was just England and like people were even like South Africa and stuff and I'm like bloody hell like so the fact that like trans kids might be out like shopping with their moms or even teenagers or even an older trans person who maybe feels like they've missed the boat and like oh it's too late for me now because they couldn't come out younger because it was just a different time like in society like maybe they'll see the campaign and be like oh it's it's so affirming to see yourself reflected in media so that they might be just be like walking around Westfield or something see little campaign with a trans girl be like oh my god like if she can do it I can do it yeah that's awesome that's absolutely awesome Quick fire with Charlie. Breakfast, lunch or dinner? Dinner. Tea or coffee? Tea. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Loungewear? Loungewear. I don't even need to hear the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Dress up or dress down? Dress up, actually. Trainers or heels? Heels. Burgers or fries? Fries. Almond milk or oat milk? Oat milk. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram, 100%. Podcasts or Netflix? Netflix, no offence, babe. (laughs) Everyone says Netflix. Documentaries or movies? Oh, oh, movies. No offence to myself in that one. Spontaneity or routine? Spontaneity. And early night or night owl? Shall I say early bird? Because it's a nice cycle, kind of a full circle moment to end this. I I was a night owl and now I'm an early bird. Thanks to you. That was quick fire with Charlie. That was terrifying. I'm sorry. It was for me too. (laughs) It was for me as well, not having the questions in front of me. No, that was really fun. Uh, Final few questions. What is your one non-negotiable daily self-care habit? Ooh, a bath or like several. I like Seven. I, uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm a Pisces. I'm a water sign. I don't know why. I just feel very like at home in water. I don't know. That sounds really silly, but like I just find that like, if I need to like clear my head. Also, I have a nap every day. Like a, like every single day, I have a nap. I have to have a nap. I don't know why. I can't get for a whole day without probably because I go bed at a disgusting time but maybe once I fix my life because of this podcast I won't need naps no no but like if it's not a nap I try and I don't know I just I always feel better after a bath always feel better after a bath I love both those things naps and apparently I, are so good for you as well apparently. are they yeah apparently so probably not when I take them I take them at about 9 p.m <laughs> I literally <laughs> I'm not even joking I normally have a nap at about like 7 38 and wake up at about like 8 39 and I'm like I should have just stayed asleep and then I could wake up at like 6 a.m and be productive well when you start going out again this will be ideal timing because you have your little pre-disco that is a really good idea i'm ready yeah ready um if you could advise listeners to do or try one small thing today to help them find joy what would it be oh that is a good question i guess the one thing i would say is to take my advice about your inner child and like 
that applies to when you're being bad to yourself, but also when you want to be good. So some positive and negative affirming thing. When you're being bad to yourself, ask yourself, would you do this to your negative, uh, to your negative child, to your inner child? But then when you're thinking about how you should treat yourself, like ask yourself, what does your inner child deserve? Your inner child deserves good food, not like the McDonald's that I was feeding it like twice a day. Your, your inner child deserves seven baths a fucking day if they want. Your inner child deserves to watch nice. You wouldn't make your inner child sit down and watch some depressing documentary, like buy one coming out very soon on BBC. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd make them watch Shit's Creek and be like, look at this lovely gay couple with their fabulous mum marrying them. That's what you would make your inner child watch. So just like, it's the inner child thing works both ways in that when you're having a bad day or if you want to have a good day, you ask yourself, what would your inner child, what would you do for your inner child? I love it. And finally, what is one thing you hope your older self will have achieved? Oh God, I just want to achieve staying alive, to be honest. Like it's a bloody struggle sometimes, isn't it? It's like, it's been a hard life. Um, But that will be the greatest achievement because like, not to be deep, but to end on a nice, it's a kind of a nice ending. But like, I was really in a dark place and didn't want to be here at the start of my transition. My transition came after a breakdown, which is, I would just like to remind people that transition is the last choice most of the people listening to this will be girls um who are probably feminists themselves there's so much talk in feminism about like trans women's place in it and stuff and i just want you to understand have some compassion like this i would never no one would ever choose this life unless this was this is the last option and like i didn't want to be i didn't want to be here before and I, i this was my last option and and i'm i just yeah i just I can't believe the leaps and bounds I've come since like seven years ago where I just, I, I had a breakdown. I was going to kill myself. I, I thought I'd transition and give it a shot. I'm still here seven years on. Please God, I'll be here in another seven years. Maybe in another seven, no, I'll be like 90. I can't even do the maths. Anyway. In 70 years, you'll be here, babe. Hey, listen, thank you so much. Hey, you listen. No, thank no, you so much. Seriously, thank you, babe. I'm really, really grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. Are you serious? No, no, no. I, honestly, I feel like very honoured and very blessed that you have used this time with me to speak so openly and compassionately. And like, you have no idea the impact you have. Like, I just think your work is so valuable and thank you, you are so valuable. So thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you so much, babe. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please do share it with a friend or over on your Instagram stories. And if you have a spare few seconds, please do leave it a five-star review on iTunes. I am sad to say that this episode draws the first season of All the Small Things to a close. So do make sure you're subscribed for when we return and you can follow the series on Instagram at ATST Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you back here soon. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusive Exclusions apply. See site for details.